Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. All right. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, weird weather in Michigan, huh? Is that the first time you ever heard that? I was walking uh, along Lake Michigan with Pastor and Jeannie yesterday, and it was hot, sunny, humid. On, and on the way back, it was pouring down rain. And I'm like, this is uh, schizophrenic here. Uh, Jesus must have been in touch with his female side this week or something. He's just changing things. <laughs> yeah, it's a joke. It's a joke. No letters. Oh, my gosh. Daniil and I are uh, next month celebrating... Do not clap, because I don't want you to cut into my time, but celebrating 39 years of, of marriage. I told you not to clap. And, and what I've discovered is, is about the time I figure out the combination of her life and able to open the safe door, when I'm asleep, she'll change the combination. And then if I don't figure it out again, she doesn't think I love her. If you really love me, you'll figure it out again. So anyway, um, so honored to be here uh, tonight at five. Uh, the Lord's been kind of, you know, I'll be 62 years old next month and I've been in the ministry for 45 years uh, without stopping. And um, so the interesting thing is that God has been faithful and I'm still pinching myself to, to think that my whole life has been devoted to preaching the good news of God's great grace uh, to people all over the planet. And it's been an honor to watch how many people have come to know Jesus and the great things that uh, I've been allowed to see and do. Um, and so God has been faithful. Last year, I spoke to about 108,000 people live and uh, this year, it looks like there's going to be more than that. And I'm traveling about 11,000 miles a month preaching. So how many of you know that you don't get to do those kinds of things unless God is being faithful to talk to you and what to say to his people? So let me tell you what he told me. Uh, he said, everybody I put you in front of, I'm going to strategically arrange their life that those people are going to be on the verge. I said, well, what does that mean? The Lord said to me, he said, on the verge means that the vertical, uh, the people of God have a vertical, yes, already built in that's activated upon salvation. The issue isn't our vertical, yes. The issue is our horizontal release of that, yes. And I felt, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, the people I'm going to put you in front of are one or two yeses away horizontally from breaking through into the next uh, dimension of their destiny. Amen, somebody? That your businesses, your relationships, your health. How many of you are like one yes away? You're just one yes away. You're healed. One yes away. Yeah, you got that contract signed. You're one yes away uh, from her saying yes to marrying you. Come on, somebody. Uh, you're one yes away from uh, your life changing and the trajectory of your destiny changing. So uh, then the Lord told me, he said, if you'll join your faith with the people that are on the verge, your prayers together, that prayer of agreement will just bump them over the line. Come on, somebody. So tonight we're going to pray for people that are on the verge 
uh, I don't know about you, but don't stay home and try to get authority over the dishes in your sink. Get to church, use your TiVo, and come listen to Steve-O. Amen, somebody? Okay, that's number one. Number two, I, I heard the Lord uh, in my prayer time. It was really, I, I didn't really even think about this, but he said that he's going to send a revival among real estate people. Now, how many of you are real estate people uh, in, in here? Raise your hand. Let me see. Okay. If you will, wow, a lot, a lot. I don't know where the real estate market is here, but God is going to send a revival to res life real estate people, uh, either commercial or residential, where you guys are going to be a, a huge resource that increases the reach of, of the vision of this house. Amen. So God instructed me to pray for real estate people tonight. So how many of you know that if you're on the verge of getting that house in escrow, getting that strip mall in, in escrow, signing the contracts, getting the favor, you and another agent are competing for that listing, God will take that other agent and go, excuse me, my people get the blessing, amen, somebody. And, and I'm not, look, I ain't mad at nobody, but the devil's kids don't get the same benefits as God's kids, amen, somebody. Jesus didn't hang on no cross for the devil to get the same uh, privileges as we get. I, I, know I was at the gym the other day and somebody said, we're all the children of God. I said, no, we're not. We're all the creation of God, but not all the children. My Bible says as many as receive him to them, he gave the power to be the children of God, as many as believe. So... I'm believing for a real breakthrough uh, in real estate people. And I've already gotten a two or three reports this morning about uh, a couple years ago when I prayed for business people. I mean, one guy was unemployed and now his business is doing three million a year. He just came up to me rather. I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. That's unbelievable. I didn't even believe that I was believing that big for you. Amen, somebody, that's just amazing. And then the third thing uh, that happened in my prayer time this week for you was God gave me a vision of a youth revival coming to this house. Amen, somebody? A, a revival among young people. And it was gonna be, uh, God was gonna use this young preacher to bring about a, a, a revelation and crack through the darkness of this region. And so tonight I wanna pray for the youth pastor and his wife and his leaders and young people. And how many of you know that we need a revival among young people to obliterate the lies of the devil? Amen, somebody? So that's tonight. Everybody who's on the verge, Real estate people. Oh, and the last thing that I'm going to pray for is brokenhearted people. Uh, the Holy Spirit told me that uh, part of Jesus's ministry was to bind up the brokenhearted. And too many of us, uh, and I'm not minimizing pain, trust me. Uh, I've had my share of it. But how many of you know that the ministry of Jesus on the planet, the anointing, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, Jesus said, to bind up brokenhearted people. Too many people have lived too many days of their lives running their life through the filter of their pain. And I believe that tonight, total and complete emotional healing will take place in people's lives as a result of one prayer. He's like, hey, that's a bold statement. I don't care. We have a bold God. Amen. He said he would bind up the broken heart. He didn't say it had to take forever. Amen, somebody. How many of you know that just boom, one touch and I'm on with the show and I'm going to live the rest of my life full of the purpose of God and not the pain of this world. Amen, somebody. Let's go for it. So I don't know what you're doing tonight, but it would be great for you to be in the house of God 
And uh, you know what? If I came all the way from California to be here, you can drive across those, the street to be here. Amen, somebody? Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's important that we are in the proximity of the anointing in our lives. So uh, this morning or this afternoon by now, uh, I want to entitle this message, and I'm just going to share for a little bit here on... Uh, I want to entitle this message, The Pursuit of Peace. The Pursuit of Peace. The reason why peace is so important, can I, can I just say something? I am so excited to be here. I'm having to contain myself. I want to run and scream, but I'm trying to be, you know, California cool up here. But I'm really excited to release what God has given me for, for you. I love you so much, and I, I'm so honored to be here. Please forgive me for being from California because I preach for a living. I talk for a living, so I'm going to say something. But don't write any letters and say, you shouldn't have said that. I know I shouldn't have said it. I just, when I'm under the anointing, I'm not responsible for what I say. It's just, God tells me to say things. I'm just kidding. Okay, so anyway, so the pursuit of peace. The reason why peace is so uh, important, it's so essential in this Christian journey is because Peace is the platform from which we possess the promise of God. You're not going to get God's promises operating in your life if you're constantly in a disposition of panic. You cannot have God's promises fully, robustly operational in your life if you're always in unbelief, freaking out, panicking, trying to take uh, God's responsibility and, and handle things. How many of you know that there's two sides of the covenant? The first side of the covenant, th there's two responsibility, our responsibility and God's responsibility. Our responsibility is to believe. God's responsibility is the results. The results are not your responsibility. Some plant, some water, God causes the increase. So if we're trying to cause something, God will let us, but how many of you know that you can't do it as good as him? So our responsibility is to believe. The Bible says, if you believe that Jesus is the son of God and believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He didn't say if you behave, you'll be saved. He said, if you believe, you'll be saved. To him who believes shall be saved. Let it be done unto you according to the way you believe. Stop focusing on the way you're behaving. Focus on the way you're believing and your believing will translate into your behaving. You can't behave your way into believing, but you can believe your way into behaving. Amen, somebody? You're not gonna get to heaven and God be like, how come you didn't behave? He's gonna say, how come you didn't believe? God's responsibility is the results. If you'll just believe that you, if you love your wife as Christ loves the church, she'll love you back, respect you correctly, stop trying to do her responsibility and make her love you. Just you love her as Christ loves the church and believe it and eventually she'll wake up to how wonderful you actually are. Amen, somebody? Because when you got married, she thought she was gonna have to finish raising you. Come on, somebody. Oh, help me, Jesus. And we just sit there. Oh, my gosh. What? And she's like, your parents did not do a good job, but I got it from here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and then women, you know, women, you want men to make you happy. Are you kidding me? 
Do you think God made us to make you happy? Are you kidding me? It's too much pressure and there are no faculty in our humanity, in our masculinity to make you happy. You make me happy, make me happy. Wow, love me. Like, wow. No, we're built by God to make you happier. So if you come into the relationship and you all happy, girl, I can put some frosting and a cherry on top of that right there. Amen, somebody. But if you want me to bake your cake, I can't do that. Amen. I can put them sprinkles and a cherry and I can fix you up good. But doggone it, don't ask me to bake the cake because it'll crater in the middle of the relationship. It's our responsibility to believe. So until you get to the place and unbelief produces panic, but believing produces peace. And peace is the understanding that God's got the results and we don't have to encourage him and manipulate him into the results. So, so the reason why peace is so important is because we possess promise from the platform of peace. Now, peace has a parent. Peace doesn't just come. It comes from somewhere. Peace's parent is purpose. If you don't have purpose, you can't have peace. How do you combat conflict in your life? The way I combat it, the way I realize I've just been thinking about it, the way whenever conflict or opposing forces are coming at me, I always smack them back with the purpose that God called me to. I'm like, you are not going to get in the way of what, of what God called me to do. Back off. It's not my responsibility to know what your opinion of me is. It's my responsibility to know what God's opinion of me is. Amen. And, when, and, and look, how many know God is smarter than us? Amen. And if God loves me, I know what your problem is. <laughs> and if God loves you and you don't love you, what's your problem? And the problem many times in relationships, I'm all over the place this morning, but I don't care. You're listening. The problem in relationships is we end up getting critical when we stop being thankful. Like as long as you're thankful for your husband, you can't be critical of him. You can't be critical and thankful simultaneously with the same person. You can't do it. If you're, if, you can't be critical of your wife if you're thankful for her. There's no time to be like picking her apart and I can't believe you did that and how come that and what's going on there and how come those extra poundages and, and, and like and what are you? You got a bay window working. Why are you trying to talk? What are you talking about? And so we get critical of each other instead of be, I'm going to go over here because I just felt some, whoa. It's like, why don't we just pay attention to being thankful, being thankful for our children, being thankful for our pastor. Being thankful for his discernment with guest speakers. Come on, somebody. Be thankful. Okay, so purpose, purpose produces peace. Peace produces a posture of possessing God's promise. But everybody say this, purpose redeems pain. So the reason why we remain in pain is because pain has talked us out of our purpose. And so we'll stay calibrated and negotiating and sitting at the tutoring table of pain instead of letting our purpose redeem our pain. 
If you get on purpose, you'll get in your sweet spot and you won't even know when God healed you of your pain. Amen, somebody? You were like, all of a sudden, like, I don't hurt no more. When did God heal me? It doesn't matter. You were oblivious to your pain because you were calibrated to your purpose. So the purpose of God actually releases the glory of God. Now, why is the glory of God so important to our lives? Because the glory of God, by definition, carries with it a connotation that it's weighty, it weighty. It weighs more than your pain. God's glory weighs more than your pain. The Bible says uh, that, that momentary light affliction produces in us an eternal weight of glory. So the word glory carries with it this idea that it is the, the, uh, the essence of heaven it's the release of heaven that actually brings you happiness, satisfaction, and gratification. So when you're not bringing God glory, you're trying to bring yourself happiness, gratification, and satisfaction. And how many of you know that only God can actually make you authentically happy, but we're trying to find happiness in the wrong people, places, and things, and, and thinking that a broken system is going to give us what only God's system can. And that's why we're, overall, we're always over, over here trying to take matters into our own hands to make ourselves happy. If I just find a man, he'll make me happy. If you just leave me alone, I'll be happy. If I could just live in the right, if I could just have the right car, I'll be happy. If I could just do that, I'll be happy. You're never going to be happy until you bring God glory with your life. The momentary light affliction doesn't seem momentary or light. It seems like your pain's going to last forever and it's heavy because when you don't have God's glory operating in your life, the weight of the pain of breathing air weighs us down. I'm like, I got trouble. I got trouble, trouble, trouble. I got marriage trouble. I got money trouble. I got kid trouble. I got teenager trouble. I got trouble at work. I got health trouble. I got trouble, 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 trouble. But when God's glory gets in your life, if you figure out how to release God's glory in your life, which I'm going to tell you how to do that today, all of a sudden your trouble seems momentary and light. The weight of God's glory, it produces an eternal weight of glory, and then you don't even recognize that you're in pain. You don't even recognize you was raised wrong. Amen, somebody? You don't recognize you was raised wrong. You recognize that you were raised upright. <sighs> so how do we get God's glory in our life? And the big question is, are we Christ magnifying and God glorifying? That's the big question. Not are we microscopically uh, micromanaging everybody's behavior and running, and running our purpose through the filters of our personal preference. When are you going to learn and when am I going to learn that God very rarely ever consults your personal preference when it comes to your purpose. He very rarely ever goes, now, if you're okay with this, I'd like to like call you to this. He'd be like, you doing this. You're like, but God, but no, no, no. We ain't going to talk about your but God. How many know that you got but gods, but there's a but God too. God's butt's bigger than your butt. But God, me, but God, he, 
God's butt is bigger than your butt. His purpose is stronger than your pain. His destiny is stronger than your bad decisions. Come on, somebody. And, 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 and very rarely does he ever consult your personal preferences. Is this okay with you? No. I'll get to that later. So, so how do we get God's glory in our life so we can start being happy? So we can start being fulfilled. Where it's not dependent upon the performances of people for your disposition of joy and happiness. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to just be happy because your sins are forgiven and you have the purpose of God? It doesn't matter what people do. Because how many know people are going to do yes. what people going to do? Yes. And if your purpose, no, if your happiness is, is tethered to their performance, how many know you're not going to be happy about it? Like I said, I've been married 39 years. I've been running around with Danielle for 41 years. 41. I don't know when my sexy stopped working, but it has. Trust me. She told me the other day, she said, women are visual too. I said, okay, what's that supposed to mean? Turn off the light when you get undressed. Because I want to handle some love, but I don't want to look at no love handle. Amen, somebody? I got an amen from the sister in the back. Ushers, please remove her. So how do we bring God glory? I better hurry up before Jesus leaves the building. Okay, so. John chapter 17 Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus is praying. He's talking to his heavenly father. And he said, I glorified you on earth. Everybody say on earth. Now, it's not just on earth, but it's in earth. So he's saying, I brought the disposition or the satisfaction, the gratification, the happiness producer of heaven. How many know no one's in heaven unhappy? No one's in heaven going, I can't believe this, taxes. There's not going to be a Democrat side and a Republican side in heaven. Amen, somebody? You're going to be worshiping next to Democrats and Republicans, and we're going to be giving God praise. We might as well have it on earth as it is in heaven and knock all this division off. Amen, somebody? And live a little bit higher than this stuff. So he said, I glorified you on earth and in my earth. So you can, there is a faculty in your humanity that can actually bring uh, or that can cooperate with God's glory. Where your body, the way you're manufactured, you actually can live happy with the Lord. Amen, somebody? You can, so he says, I brought the disposition of heaven to your earth. Not just in the planet earth, but your actual physicality where you're satisfied, gratified, fulfilled, and happy. I brought that to the earth. I don't have to wait to get to heaven to be happy. And how did he do it? He said, I did it by accomplishing the purpose that you gave me to do. So the issue is that your happiness is connected to your calibration to your purpose. And your purpose does not run through the filters of your personal preference. So remember in Acts chapter 20, what are you doing here? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think I've been all doing all right, but I'm going to preach over here for a while just in case. 
Um, how many appreciate your pastor, man? Is he the best? Love these guys. Love, love, love these guys. Praise the Lord. So, so here in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is talking about his purpose in relationship to his preferences. So he says, uh, you know, I'm bound in my spirit. I'm bound to the Holy Spirit. And the problem sometimes in our human journey with Jesus is we don't get, we're not bound to the spirit. We're bound to our past. We're bound, like we're tethered to our pain. And I, I kind of, and forgive me on this, but it's kind of like we have a U-Haul connected to our hitch with an outhouse of our mistakes connected to it. And every time we pull in somewhere, it's sloshing around and people are like, your life ain't doing, you don't smell very good. And, and, and here Jesus is like, just unhook that thing and leave it to the devil and move on and smell good. You're a, you're a fragrant aroma to God. Unhook your outhouse, amen? Somebody, nobody cares about your outhouse showing up at your house. You gotta be in God's house, amen, somebody? So, so here, here are, are, he, he's saying, listen, listen, I, I'm bound to the spirit. I'm not connected to my past, to my pain to the problems, to the prognosis, to the predicament. This is not what I'm bound to. I'm bound to the spirit of the Lord and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So I live my, my purpose free from the regrets of my shame and my guilt. Guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is I am something wrong. And Jesus made everything that you did wrong and were wrong right. I don't know why we're still sitting at the negotiating table with our shame being tutored by our guilt. When the Holy Spirit has bound us to liberty. Come on, baby. I know somebody did you wrong and I know you did wrong to yourself, but I don't, I'm not interested in what people did to you. You need to be interested in what God did for you. Amen, somebody? You're raised up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he said, look, I'm bound to the spirit and all I know is the Holy Spirit's telling me to go to Jerusalem. And what I do know is the Holy Spirit isn't telling me anything about what's going to happen when I get to Jerusalem. He's just telling me that every city I hit along the way to Jerusalem, that bonds and afflictions await me. How many of you know that if God said, go to Grand Rapids, and on your way, you're going to get the heck knocked out of you, and you're going to jail? I'd be like, I'm sending a video of myself. Praise the Lord, I ain't going. And the Apostle Paul says, I think it's in verse 21 there or 22, he says the greatest thing. I'm having a t-shirt made that says this. He said, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. I'm having a t-shirt that says, none of these things move me. And on the sleeve, hashtag nevertheless. <laughs> now, here's, here's what's real. You cannot get to God's purpose if you think that God's purpose is going to cooperate with your personal preferences of the way you want things to go. How many of you know that you can't get to God's purpose? And I'm not saying this because they're sitting there, but you can't get to God's purpose, in my opinion and in my study of the scriptures, without a pastor. Amen. That's right. Because the purpose of God is revealed in the house of God. 
And see, what happens is that sometimes we'll get in pain and we'll disconnect from the house of God and the man of God and the purpose of God. And we'll start trying to do what only God can do some other way. And then we end up like, I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. With your little shotgun on your rack in the back. Come on, somebody. And then you're two-stepping. I'm looking for love in too many faces. And then you like two-step your way straight to hell. Come on, somebody. You don't want to live like that. You got you to gotta understand that the purpose of God many times is revealed from and through the house of God, through the man of God in the house of God. And that's why there's this onslaught to disconnect us from our pastor. Everybody say, without my pastor. Without my pastor, I'll have a disaster. It's what happens. And I've been in the ministry for 45 years, and I've always had a pastor, and I've never had a disaster. How do you land on your feet? Because I've always known who my man of God is. Remember when Jesus preached the worst sermon in history? He stands like, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Remember that? And 5,000 people were like, we out of here. <laughs> See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. See ya, Jesus. And Jesus didn't seem moved by it. He turned to his disciples and he said, you guys going to go too? Like, I get upset if someone has to get up and go to the bathroom when I'm preaching. One person, like, hey, hey, where are you going? 5,000 people walked out. And I used to think that Peter said, and where are we going to go, Don? Where are we going to go? But Peter didn't say that. He said, to whom? You're our man of God. And because of your words, we've come to know some things. How many of you know that some of your revelation is tied to the teachings of your man of God? Stop letting your excuses be bigger than your destiny. Stop letting things get in the way of coming to God's house where you hear God's word that activates God's purpose that produces happiness and fulfillment instead of looking for it in the wrong people, places, and things, and they can't ever come through. Amen? Don't we know this about the devil? He always promises to do for you what only God can do, and then he never, ever does what he said he'll do. Why would we give him one more day of our life? So, so back to Acts chapter 20, verse 22, he says, none of these things move me. I don't count anything in my life, any of my personal preferences as dear to myself. I'm not doing any of this so I can finish my course and, and complete the assignment that God gave me with joy. And that's to preach the gospel of his grace. Let me tell you something. You're never going to be happy if you think God has to consult your personal preferences. And sometimes God will send you a voice to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. As you're experiencing this morning, I'm sure. Amen? So it's vital that you listen to God. So remember, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's bleeding, imploding. And he said, listen, this is not fitting my personal preferences going to the cross. But nevertheless, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, it is vital for your personal happiness to align yourself with what God wants for you that isn't always what you want for you. 
I didn't get one amen from one person. You just were like, oh, no. And then God will replace your messed up desires with his redeemed desires, and then it all works together. Amen, somebody? It's vital that we live that way. So we need to accomplish what God has called us to do. So what are, and I'm, this is it, what are the three characteristics of every purpose of God? Three characteristics. Number one, every purpose of God has this ingredient in it. The first one is that you are seeking and saving that which was lost. Every single purpose of God has that element in it. If we are not living our lives, looking, tracking down, and making sure that people who have lost their Christ compass come back to the Lord or come to the Lord in the first place, you'll never be happy. You'll never be happy being a navel gazer. We'll never be happy unless part of our life and our exertion is devoted to locating people who need Jesus and leading them to him. Amen? Seeking and saving those that are lost. Second thing that has to be present is that uh, the Bible says that the purpose of that Jesus came and, and as he is, so also are we in this world, was to destroy the work of the devil. So what's the work of the devil? The work of the devil is identity theft. That's the work of the devil. The work of the devil is to talk you out of who you already are or to tell you you have to become what you already are. That's how he messed up Eve. You could be like God. She was already like God. And she bought in, drank the Kool-Aid, picked up what he was laying down, bought what he was selling, and started feeling like God was holding out on her, started feeling bad about herself. And whenever, whatever thought you think about yourself that produces a negative, think, a negative feeling about yourself is a lie. If you ever think thoughts that cause you to feel bad, God can't work through you feeling bad. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. And so identity theft, when we see people and when we see ourselves wrong, when we see God as a punisher instead of a lover, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. If we think God's going to punish us, we've got the wrong idea of his love. And so we are on this planet for a, the purpose of obliterating the lie of the devil that tries to beat God's people down from the reality that we're deeply loved, highly favored, richly blessed, the children of God. That's who we are. Amen, somebody? You cannot let the devil steal your identity because that's what destroy his works. And then the last thing is Jesus came to for us to live the abundant life. And we got to stop talking about uh, what the devil came to do. Well, the thief, he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So what? Jesus came too. I know the devil came. And I know he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But let me tell you something. The purpose of God will obliterate the agenda of the enemy. Amen, somebody? If you'll be calibrated and thankful for the purpose of God, that thank full heart is a place of spiritual immunity to demonic activity in your life. It's a biblical impossibility for you to be under the influence of Satan and, and, and you walking in the light. The only way you're under the influence of the non-abundant life is for you to stay hidden in darkness. The devil only has authority in darkness and darkness is not the absence of light. It's the absence of understanding. 
And if you stop understanding that Jesus hung on a cross so you can live the abundant life in your marriage, with your children, with your finances, in your health, then you are walking in a dark space that's trying to dismantle what cost Jesus his life to give you. Abundance, baby. Go large because God's in charge. Amen, somebody? I'm not going to, I'm not manufactured for average. Either are you. We're not living our life like this. Amen, somebody? We're going to seek and save the lost. We are going to destroy the works of the devil. And we are going to live the abundant life. Amen, somebody? Because we're on purpose, purpose, purpose. Praise the Lord. Everybody stand up and grab somebody's hand. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.